0: Welcome to episode 14 of Jesus and the Meteorologists, My name is Kevin Kukaji and I'm your host. Our subject is discernment and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, this program derives its meaning and title from Jesus' encounter with the hypocrisy of the unbelieving world which depends on God's revelation to predict the weather while ignoring God's revelation or pretending it doesn't apply to interpret the signs of the times. If you are new to this program, I would encourage you to listen to episodes 1, 2, and 3 in particular, where we lay out the analysis in more detail. In any event, because the weather serves as both a literal and metaphorical tool from which we engage the cultural debate, it gives us great leverage and an abundance of opportunity to confront the world's obsession with the climate. And why is the world so consumed with the climate? Well, the climate is a tool to advanced communism. Plain and simple. It is effective because it masquerades as concern for the environment, deceiving the undiscerning. Now, many of your friends accept the world's premise at face value, operating under the illusion that the temperature of the earth fluctuates according to human conduct, and that human decisions, therefore, can amend the temperature of the globe to what the self-appointed experts advise is ideal. Unfortunately, many self-professing Christians fall into the trap, believing that God's command to subdue the earth demands that we partner with unbelievers to solve a problem that has no genesis in Scripture. And while it gives me no pleasure in pointing out their errors, Christians who begin with the world's premise before opening the Word will always be confused they will rarely be able to discern the truth from the lie. While claiming stewardship as their justification, some of our brothers and sisters proceed as if God has abandoned the earth to the control of men and that if we don't do something, which, by the way, this something always involves one man taking advantage of another man, demanding that he surrender his God-given liberties and redistribute his property to other men so that they in their finite wisdom may save us, well, if we don't do something, they say, the world will end. We know better, of course. Most of our listeners and our icebergs here in the studio understand that God made the world and everything in it, and that he holds all things together according to the counsel of his will. The scriptures are very clear that God is both creator and he is a live and very active participant in his created order. Yet the message we hear from the modern church which justifies its alignment with the ways of the world out of an expressed, quote, concern for the environment, end quote, sounds a lot more like deism than Christianity, as if God created the world and left us to our own devices, as if finite sinful man can interrupt the incomprehensible purposes of the perfect, infinite, triune God of Scripture, as if men made in God's image can consign the earth and all of its inhabitants to a destiny that the creator has not preordained. Ladies and gentlemen, that is ridiculous. It is a view that is not supported by scripture. In fact, it is idolatry from which the church must repent. Romans 12:2 tells us plainly that we are not to be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good Pleasing and perfect will. Colossians two, twenty through twenty three affirms this point. Paul admonishes that since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. The climate change movement is nothing if not one of the most obvious patterns of this world. Have you paused to consider the audacity of the narrative? Men can't even accurately predict the weather tomorrow, let alone what is going to happen next week. Yet we're told that our actions can affect the temperature of the entire globe 100 years from now? Are you kidding me? Setting aside the absurdity of the belief that man could possibly know the appropriate temperature for a world that he did not create and over which he has no control, to hold that man can affect changes to the climate of the earth, a celestial body whose creation and existence predates him and whose incomprehensible scope far exceeds man's limited knowledge, is the height of hubris. If such pretensions were not so dangerous, the whole charade would be funny. When we return, we are going to discuss with our students a recent proclamation about the climate by British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty
1: in your community? Join us at tennesseestands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands.
0: Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host, With me today in the studio are...
1: Winnie, Penelope,
0: and Roger. And we have a special guest on the phone by the name of...
1: Hogan. Hogan.
0: (laughs) Welcome back, Hogan. Hogan has gone off to college, and so Roger thought, uh, why don't we call him in? So it's pretty awesome to be able to give him a break from his schoolwork, let him listen to the program that he used to join us uh, here in the studio. Hogan, good to hear you. I'm going to... let you actually be our questioner today. So when we go through this process in the studio, I hope that you'll be able to write down a few questions for me, maybe stump the chump, as they say. All right. Uh, Before the break, I mentioned that we would address a recent statement made by Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of Great Britain. So as we prepare to enter the offices of Hypothesis, listen carefully to what he said. And this was in November of 2021. Prime Minister Boris Johnson declared, quote, I'll be asking world leaders to take action on coal, cars, cash, and trees to keep alive the prospect of limiting global temperature rise to 1.5, sorry, 1.5 degrees. I'll repeat that. Quote, and this is Boris Johnson, British Prime Minister. Quote, I'll be asking world leaders to take action on coal, cars, cash and trees to keep alive the prospect of limiting global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. Talk about a loaded statement. With that in mind, let us now enter the hypothesis of hypothesis. And our hypothesis today is, in making this crazy statement, Boris Johnson is motivated by a desire to cool the temperature of the earth. Let me repeat it. Our hypothesis is in making this crazy statement, Boris Johnson is motivated by a desire to cool the temperature of the earth. True or false? And before you answer, we're going to get the clock going. True or false, Winnie? Uh,
1: false. False.
0: False. Hogan?
1: False. All right. Music <laughs> delayed. It is false.
0: Why is it false? Actually, before you tell me why it's false, I want to first ask you about some of the assumptions or the premise upon which he makes this statement. Anyone, all play, including our phone guest.
1: He assumes that he has any control over the climate, that anything he does can affect it. And that the climate actually needs to be, you know, changed.
0: Okay. He assumes that the climate needs a change in temperature.
1: And that he can change it. And And that he
0: can change it.
1: and He also assumes that... These steps that he proposes are the proper steps to change it, assuming right. the first two things.
0: So, yeah, three three assumptions, one based upon the other, that the climate of the Earth can be changed, should be changed, can be changed, that he knows <laughs> the right temperature that it should be adjusted to, and that coal cars, cash, and trees, whatever he's going to do with those—we uh, know he's going to eliminate coal cars and cash, but— I think he Does prob- he
1: want to eliminate trees, though? I, hope not.
0: <laughs> I I think he probably means saving trees and planting them, which we can talk about in a different episode. I've got so much to say on that. But his assumption is that somehow controlling or changing the manner in which we view these things can accomplish that change in temperature, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's one assumption. What's another assumption?
1: That all the people he's talking to agree with him.
0: Okay, there's a big assumption that the people that he's speaking to, whoever they might be, agree with him or share his values. I think it also assumes, doesn't it, that these other world leaders even share the same goals.
1: Yeah, it assumes that these other countries are on the same page as him. It assumes that these other countries are going to be honest with him.
0: So mirroring, we call that, at least in foreign policy, the assumption that your enemy is motivated by the same motives that you have, right? if i reduce my lu- nuclear weapons this is what they the left says in america if i reduce my nuclear weapons then all of my enemies will also cut back their nuclear weapons right
1: cuz that's how the world works <laughs> it's kind of like everyone's the kid everyone's on the same side <laughs>
0: it's kind of like the kid in high school saying you know what this bully keeps picking on me i know what i'm going to do i'm going to wear a sign that says <clears throat> i'm a weakling i'm a punk you don't need to pick on me right and then the bully will just abide by his sign or the people Roger, you were talking
1: about who put signs in their yards. Yeah, who people who disarm their security system, open their doors, and put a sign out front that says, no security, no firearms, come inside. <laughs> well, well, they don't even have to say come inside. Yeah, they, they say, just say no security, no firearms. So so don't so, take
0: advantage of me, I'm a good guy, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so it presumes something about the world that isn't true. We see every day that people don't actually act like that. What does it say about the the leader's actions... He talks about global. Let me go back to the quote again. I'll be asking world leaders to take action on coal, cars, cash, and trees to keep alive the prospect of limiting global temperatures. Okay, so he's talking about the globe. What is he omitting in his discussion about the globe?
1: The people who live on the globe. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the the people people. who
0: inhabit the globe. Right? This This is a big one. He seems to be—remember the last episode, last couple of episodes, we talked about this idea of exchanges, right? Tell me what the exchange that Boris Johnson is assuming is acceptable here.
1: The freedom and rights of the people for, you know, a healthy planet?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. He, he assumes that the misery and impoverishment of people is a worthy exchange for this so-called greater good— Brought about by a temperature reduction of one point five degrees, which, by the way, he doesn't say it, but the argument is, we'll do this, we'll accomplish this in a hundred years from now. Now, why is it so? Why does it take so long? And why is that important to their
1: argument? Because that's about the average span of a human. <laughs> by the time we would reach that hundred-year mark, the people alive today will most likely not be alive.
0: Which so. means that no one can hold Penelope, no one can hold Boris Johnson, what accountable, accountable, right? Pretty tricky, huh? Say, say, we'll fix it in 100 years. You change your life now, and the, the effects of that, that I'm telling you will happen, will happen 100 years from now, after I'm dead and you're dead, so you can't hold me accountable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, there's two other assumptions that we haven't covered that I've got on my list.
1: I would say he's kind of like trying to be a God figure, because nobody can change the temperature of the world besides God.
0: Okay, so he's presuming his own power and authority to achieve this. Okay, good, Hogan. That came nice and clear on the phone. I like that. Uh-huh. What What Sound is he also? If, no, if, okay. if he's talking about changing something in one, changing the temperature one point five degrees in hundred years from now, what does that presume about the world?
1: Then in hundred years, it'll still be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, he's presuming that the world will even exist in hundred years. We don't know that, right? It's he just takes it for living. granted. Pardon yeah. me, Penelope. But so if
1: we're all still living, yes, yeah,
0: so if we're all still living. Uh, we'll be living. The question is where, where we'll be we living yeah. and under what conditions. That's right. And then a very basic premise: in making this statement, in making any statement, what does a person presume? He doesn't. He doesn't tell you he presumes this, but we all presume this when we say something. What do we believe that the other person listening to us believes about us, or believes about what we think about what we're saying? Does that make sense?
1: Can you repeat well, that? Yeah, okay. Wait a I was like, "Wait a minute." I know. I'm
0: trying not to overcomplicate it because the answer is really simple. What is the basic underlying premise that anybody makes or carries when they make a statement to you that Boris Johnson is is doing here?
1: That oh, they're telling the truth.
0: You're getting close to it.
1: Doesn't he assume it?
0: that his audience believes him or takes him at his word? Yeah. Oh, right. That, that his words have meaning.
1: Oh, yeah. That his words have meaning.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, rather than seeing some other unspoken purpose at play. Now, what does his statement omit? What is not stated when he's talking about limiting the global temperature, controlling coal, controlling cars, controlling cash and trees? What is he omitting?
1: What if after all the steps they take, there is no change?
0: Okay. That's true. And, of course, we see that happen all the time, right? Yeah. Al Gore always used to tell us that the, the United States was going to be sunk underwater in 2020. And then when it got close to 2020, got to push that date off further, right? So now they say 100 years so that people can't come back and say, Al, it's 2019 and we're getting close to Christmas. We're about a week away and I don't see any evidence that the water is rising. California's not sinking
1: in yet. <laughs> well, maybe sinking under the weight of all those democrat ideas. Yes. <laughs>
0: but you... figuratively sinking, right? So, but there's there's something very obvious that's missing. When he talks about concern for the environment, what is he not apparently concerned about? The people. The people. And what is the principal role of government? He's the prime minister, right? It doesn't matter what country you're in, and it doesn't matter whether the principles of government are abided by, or followed, what is the universal principle and role of government?
1: To protect the rights of the people?
0: Yet, Where do rights of people come from? From God, God. From God. No matter where they live, no matter what time, right? Our rights come from God. And the role of government, the proper role of government, is to secure those rights, right? Yet the only thing Boris Johnson seems to be concerned about is keeping alive what? This very strange and elusive concept of limiting global temperatures, right? He's not concerned with the global impact on people. And the irony is that these actions will bring no change in the climate, but will result in an incredibly negative impact on people. Okay, which leads to this really important question. Notice his equivocation. I'll go back and read it one more time. This is what makes this statement funny if it weren't so dangerous. Quote, (laughs) I'll be asking world leaders to take action on coal, cars, cash, and trees. Why? To keep alive the prospect of limiting global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. Okay, so he's going to seek to eliminate coal. He's going to seek to eliminate cars as we know them, cash, and trees or preserve trees. Right? He's going to control or change the way we look at trees all to reduce, not even to reduce the climate. I almost answered, almost gave you the answer. What is he, what is he promising to do?
1: To keep alive the hope that we may one day stop climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a totally <laughs> meaningless
0: statement. <laughs> to keep alive the prospect of limiting, right? You have this huge equivocation. In other words, he's admitting that nothing can be guaranteed regarding the temperature of the earth. He's just trying to keep alive a dream... But, under the vain hope of being able to control the weather, he's willing to destroy your liberty, to destroy your lives, and the lives of all people under his stewardship, which, by the way, is our true stewardship. It's important to remember in response to those in the church who mistakenly align themselves with communist movements in a naive belief that they're being good stewards of the environment. But Jesus said that after loving God, right, what's the first and greatest commandment? to, to love, love the Lord, Lord your God. God
1: with all Go your heart, all your soul and all your mind.
0: And the second is like it,
1: love, love your, your neighbor, neighbor as yourself, as yourself.
0: <laughs> right? And what does God say about those two commands? He says two things.
1: All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Yeah. If all of the law,
0: right? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, which means that all of the commandments are fulfilled in these, right? Everything that we are to do and to be about as believers are fulfilled in these two statements, right? To love God first and exclusively and overall, and then out of that to love our neighbors. Nowhere, though, does Scripture say that we can fulfill the law and the prophets by working in futility to control the weather. In the end, Boris Johnson does not believe his own statement, does he?
1: No, because if he thinks that in the end of the day, after all these changes, there's still only a hope, that they can change what he's attempting to change, then does he really believe that he has any effect on
0: Right, but remember, at the beginning, the question, the hypothesis was, did you guys believe this, and you all said false. Uh, I'll read it again. In making this crazy statement, Boris Johnson is motivated by a desire to cool the temperature of the Earth. You all said false, which is true, right? That's a true answer. What is he motivated by then? Control. (laughs) He's motivated by control. Yeah. And he doesn't believe his own statement, does he? No. All right. And what does that make Boris Johnson's statement? A straw man argument. A straw man. Oh, a straw man. I can finally introduce our little straw man, ladies and gentlemen. At so long no last, can see him. we welcome, out of my briefcase, into the studio, our little He's friend. He's around. He's really cute. He's on the keyboard. <laughs> He's a walking metaphor built of plastic straws and representing what Richard Weaver once said is that basic rhetoric... That seems to limit your understanding by precluding an honest examination of alternatives. This little straw man is easy to knock over, right? (laughs) Boris Johnson sets up the straw man of a world on fire in order to knock him down by taking away your liberties. Boris Johnson does not believe his own statement, but he hopes, of course, that you do. That his audience will be persuaded to change their conduct, to surrender their sovereignty and prosperity in response to Boris Johnson's lies about being able to affect the weather changes. But just like all of the pretending to control or eliminate a virus, the target here, the climate, is deliberate. The enemy chooses a target that it knows can never be controlled or eliminated for the express purpose that they might have endless fodder for political ploys and power, in every instance claiming that you and I have not what? done enough done enough yeah right it's your fault my fault you see you and i must give more power to boris johnson and other megalomaniacs to take away this conjured up fear that they've created for the sole purpose of frightening you and me into giving them our authority our liberty and our sovereignty all of which are given to us by god and which therefore do not belong to government nor to other men do they
1: No. No. So confident. Uh, No. (laughs) At least I (laughs) said something. Well, yeah, the last time the last time I kept talking over you, so I wanted to let you speak. Very good. No. (laughs) When we return,
0: we will take questions from Hogan, our listener. This is Jesus and the meteorologist. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to jesusandthemeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Remember to post your questions on Discord so that we can engage with your thoughts and comments. Okay, today, as you know, we are trying a new experiment, because on the telephone live is our old friend in Iceberg, Hogan who has been uh, calling into the program and listening from college, and I like it, so I think we're probably going to do it from time to time. Hogan had a good question, and um, during the break I was I was talking through it, and we struggled with some other questions that we didn't have answers for, not because we weren't capable of making sense of them, but I wanted to be faithful in how I answered it. Uh, so we're actually going to come around into a future episode and answer a scriptural question about dominion and stewardship so that we can be uh, thorough in that answer. So I've asked um, both producer and Icebergs to think about that, and then let's, let's re, uh, recommit to doing that next week. But in the meantime, Hogan had a question for Boris Johnson. So let's pretend that Boris Johnson is here in the studio, Hogan, and ask him the question that you had prepared.
1: Would you say that even if we could lower the temperature over the next 100 years, would it be worth it for the people... By limiting or eliminating the things that we use on a daily basis to get this task done.
0: Okay, so I think it's a great question for Boris. Who would like to pretend he or she is Boris? Don't give a funny answer. how do you think Aww. Boris would really answer that question based on what
1: he has said? Well, okay, I'll be I'll be Boris. Big bad <laughs> being, that, boots being Boris? that I'm the only I'm the only male iceberg in the studio today. If I were Boris, I would probably say, Well, don't you think that losing those objects or whatever services you use on a daily basis would be worth it for the greater good of the lowered climate change. Do you points? think
0: that Boris would there. be so gracious in his answer? Mm. I, I, <laughs> I, I get the sense that Boris would say, you don't understand how bad it's going to be, sir, Hogan. And of course it's worth changing your lifestyle because if the world's temperature increases by 1.5 degrees... And then he'll list all the bad things, you know, Armageddon, all the bad things, the apocalypse that are going to happen because of that 1.5 degree temperature change. Yeah, I think we shouldn't mistake that leaders like Boris Johnson are very religiously convicted in these beliefs, right? You wouldn't make a statement like that. He doesn't really believe the temperature of the earth is going to change um, lifestyle, but he believes – that he needs to be saying this to you because he believes very firmly that he needs to be controlling your liberties, my liberties, changing the world, right? Cashless world. Uh, again, that the trees, I guess, he means don't cut them down. I think no, no coal, no uh, tradition. Yeah, no cars except by electricity. Uh, never meant, never mind how we get the electricity, how we produce the batteries. China, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Because if China, if China burns coal, it doesn't count. And yeah. by the way, isn't that funny? So they assume the temperature of the earth can be controlled, but they ignore, of course, what other nations are doing as if we're going to be able to control the global temperature even if some of these other countries are doing what they want to do and that the temperature change will somehow... Like there's an invisible wall. That will, that will say, okay, where, where you do these things, then the temperature will be 1.5 degrees cooler, but if you go live in China where they're not doing these things, oh, it's going to be 1.5 degrees hotter, and it's going to be bad.
1: Mm. I, or so, does it take every single one of us to commit to of this? Course, <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> and if, if there's a single person who's not committing to this, then the whole plan fails.
0: Yep, so they can blame it on you. All right, Hogan, any last thoughts before we uh, wrap this one?
1: I think that's all I have. I really wish
0: you could have been here to see the straw man. It's, I was excited this week when I was I'm, preparing, realizing we're finally going to get to introduce our little straw man.
1: <laughs> I know. I've been waiting for that <laughs> for a while.
0: Roger will take a picture after the show and send it to Hogan. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have. Thanks again to our icebergs, including our iceberg in Abstentia, Hogan in college, our producer, Rachel, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you have been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists.